Hi, I'm Stella from Shophouse & Co. We created Podscape, a travelling mobile podcast recording booth to record sounds and stories of the city. Do you pay attention to the sounds of your home, your neighbourhood or your city? What is your memory of a place? A place that you love or had perhaps grown up or worked in? Hello everyone, welcome back to yet another episode of Podscape. So today, episode's very, very special. We are right now in Passeries Park. And finally, after a one-year um, hiatus of not doing anything, Lexi, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we are finally engaging with people, with the community, and being out here in a beautiful, beautiful uh, setting surrounded by trees in Passeries Park. And here in the pod today, we have two very, very special guests. Uh, for the residents in Passeries and the rest of you in Singapore, you might recall sometime last year, we have seen this video circulating on social media and people have been calling it the Net Joe video of Singapore's wildlife. So make a guess, who do we have in the pod with us? JP and Dan. Welcome and I will let you introduce who you guys are to our listeners. What's up, man? I'm Dan, and I'm an artist and a content creator. And I've been doing this for the past four years. And yeah, it's been a really amazing journey so far. And it's an honor to be producing wildlife documentaries with our superstar right here, Jared Prakash. <laughs> so, hey, thanks. Thanks for the <laughs> intro, Dan. Um, hi, my name is Jared Prakash Bojan. I'm a nature wildlife conservation photographer and documentary filmmaker. What else am I supposed to say? <laughs> well, I'll help you out there. So that video or that, you know, I was talking about earlier is titled Residents of the Park, right? Why don't you begin telling us a little bit about this um, short film and how did it come about and what inspired you all to start this? Sure. So I, um, I moved uh, into Singapore about six years ago mm -hmm. and uh, the only place I've lived in Singapore is uh, Pasadena. I think my wife moved uh, before me. Um, we used to often FaceTime while she was trying to find uh, a place for us to live mm -hmm. while I was still in India. So I, I gave her two conditions. I said, one, I need a balcony because I can't <laughs> live in a house without a balcony. Two, I said, as far as possible away from the city. Mm. Mm. Uh, that's how we ended up choosing this place because she used to walk around the park and you know FaceTime and show me around the place. Mm -hmm. I have been photographing wildlife around Passeries Park for approximately five years. Historically, most of my work has been overseas. Mm -hmm. um, Southeast Asia, Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, and some of these places. Uh, when, COVID, when COVID happened, and uh, I think phase two started um, literally jobless, mm -hmm. like uh, a lot of other artists. Uh, so I was wondering what I wanted to do. I think I had the choice of going around and just taking beautiful photographs or do something more meaningful and substantial. Uh, so just an idea I had that, okay, I want to do like a little documentary story about all the beautiful wildlife we have here in Pastures Park. Mm. Um, and I accidentally ran into Dan uh, at the park. How did uh, that happen? Like, you were guys taking photos <laughs> at the same time. And you want to go? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was like a really random morning. I was just one month into like doing wildlife photography in our park here. Mm -hmm. And then... One morning, I was walking in a mangrove boardwalk and I just saw this guy squatting over there, taking pictures of a snake. And then I was like, oh my god. Of a snake? Yeah, I was, oh. I was like, oh my god, is that him? And I went closer and I was like, oh my god, it's you, it's Jaya Prakash. Finally, nice to meet you, man. And then he turned around and was like, 
who are so you? So you know, like, you know of him. Starstruck. Yeah, I knew of him. Like, you knew of I, him. I followed him on Instagram. I'm a fan, basically. Wow. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> and then at that moment, I did, was like. Did you know that he was a resident uh, in Pasir Because no, you didn't. lived in Pasir as well. Uh, your in laws lived in Yeah, Pasiris. my laws live in Pasir And I've yeah. been like actually staying here for the past one year. Okay. Yeah, so that was quite. An eye-opener, man. Just seeing that Joe <laughs> dude just over there. I was like, whoa. So I took a selfie with him. Uh-huh. And then we like, we chat for a bit. Did, <laughs> <laughs> was this at the mangrove in Sungai Api Api area? Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, it was over there. Wow. Yeah, so I was like, total fanboy. I can't believe I was speaking to this dude. The next thing Ooh. I know, I was hanging out with him almost every other morning. And we were like, shooting wildlife together. So that's I'm really, usually really alone, cool. uh-huh. yeah. uh, Especially when I'm shooting wildlife, I... Avoid groups yeah. and try to be by myself because, because you some, need to be. Yeah, it's a lot quiet, easier to right? focus yeah. and you know, um, you know, not not disturb wildlife and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, when I had this idea of uh, doing a video, I knew it was going to be very difficult for me to do it myself. So I was kind of thinking of another friend of mine mm-hmm. uh, who does not live in Passeris. Mm-hmm. Originally, the idea was to see if I could work with him to do the film, mm. and then I met this guy, and then. Um, I think the same day, the same day in the afternoon, I was cycling back to the park with my two-year-old boy, and he was there near the, you know, the crossing. The crossing, least. yes. The, the entrance of Kapaksi. Yeah. yeah. Kapaksi. So I said, "Dude, what are you doing here?" He said, um, "I live here." Okay. I said, "Wonderful." I think the next thing he asked me was, "Are you going back to the park tomorrow in the morning?" I said, "Yes." So he's like, "Can I join you?" <laughs> I said, "Sure." Taking my so chances. You're stopped yeah. by a fan. Yeah, who but, then became part but of I you. didn't take it very seriously though, because okay. a lot of people say, "Yeah, yeah I'm coming back." Right. right. But the next thing I know, five thirty in the morning, he was waiting for wow. me. There. Yeah. Wow. So that's how I think our relationship started, and then um, there Things we go. I think three months there. later, we produced our first video. <laughs> yeah, man. Serendipitous, then you know the meeting, the chanced meeting yeah. in Sungai Api Api. As you guys were going around shooting, when people come and say, what are you doing? How how, how has that been? Were, were there people curious oh, that wow. you got to know more people in Passeries because of this? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, okay, this is off the record. So, you're famous. Just kidding. Um, it's amazing. We, six months ago, like I said, I was a loner. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody in Passeries Park. Literally nobody because I used to be by myself. I would come here, I would film or photograph for a few hours. I'm very shy that way. So I just keep to myself and just go away. But it's amazing. Now we have uh, people who bring us breakfast in the morning uh, <laughs> to the park. Wow. Uh, sometimes tea, coffee. Yeah. Uh, it's a um, like soup, pasta, and stuff. Wow, yeah, in the I'm park. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean we've, we've, we've formed a large. Um, Community. Community right it's now. kind of like it's a little amazing. family of the park. So, yeah. It's very nice. I mean, you, it's nice though. It, it feels really good. Now, every mm-hmm. time I walk into the park, literally, I think, um, every 10 meters, somebody is stopping to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Just say like something to you. Good morning. Dogs, babies. Um, babies. We, <laughs> yeah, we met this amazing dog. Uh, I mean, I like to call her like a, a mascot for the Passerist Park. Ooh. Uh, she's a... Uh, what dog is she? Um, golden Retriever. Uh, yeah, Golden Retriever. Uh, she's amazing. Um, she's almost like a therapy dog. Mm. Um, I mean, not official therapy dog, but people love it. You know, so many kids, parents come. Um, people bringing her treats all the time. Wow. Yeah. 
Hearing from JP and Dan, it seems almost second nature to Pasiris residents to live in coexistence with their wildlife neighbours. We took a look at the Instagram page of the golden retriever that JP mentioned. We can see how the community in Pasiris and even their pets really connect with the nature around them. We see miners, crows, hornbills, zebra doves, and bats, and, yeah, herons, and, and eagles. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, mangrove pit viper. And uh, this viper is uh, only comes uh, more nocturnal in the night. In the daytime, it will be, yeah, uh, last month, uh, it created a lot of hoo-hahs. Uh, because there's one vi viper that uh, they found with a blue belly. It's a uh, very rare. You know, more than like 10 years ago, when the tide rises, there'll be the hundreds and thousands of jellyfish will just flow in. And the whole river bank right, will be full of jellyfish. I'm not seeing it now, uh, not, not knowing why. But what I'm seeing in return is uh, sea otters. Uh, these are the new species of animal, and even wild boar and squirrels and monkey. This is something that I've never seen before. Um, there are a bunch of, I guess, wild dogs, right? That's on Pasiris Farmway 1. They have been there since I was a little boy, right? And it seems to me that generation after generation, that pack of dogs still are there. So today I, I take my you know, five kilometer run down Pasiris Farmway 1, and I still have the same pack of dogs, well, I mean, different generation that follows us through. And this is just a small, you know, I, I guess, um, semblance of how we've managed to, you know, uh, in, intermix with, with wildlife here. Podscape is about sounds and stories, and, and we've been collecting all these stories from residents, but we've never really heard the sounds from, you know, the other residents, which are the animals and the wildlife in Pasiris. So, um, I think we tried as much as possible um, to capture natural sounds in the field. So we used like Zoom recorders mm -hmm. um, to capture most of the audio we used. Uh, like for example, the sounds of frogs. It's, mm. it's, I mean, it's just crazy. Especially when there are like a few hundred frogs out there early in the morning. Wow. Yeah. Like and it gets really loud. It's yeah, so, so loud. that's a, it's a small window. It's a small window when you can hear them. Um, what time to what time? By by like 6, 6.15, 6 they're gone. Mm. Oh. Mm -hmm. And but which part of the field do you hear or the park? The days after the rain. Uh -huh. There are these puddles formed across the edges of the beach, wherever there's grass. Right. They're all just there. It's wow. amazing. <laughs> we, even, we, we actually filmed, yeah, we uh, filmed them laying eggs. Yeah, we, we saw like the, the string of eggs coming out, coming out and everything. We, we filmed a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Mm. Of the toads and uh, frogs. But it's really interesting to see. It's like, you can't really see them, but you hear them, you know. It's like mm. hundreds of them just croaking away. Mm. But it's only when you really go up close and look look into that patch of like puddle or grass, mm. you actually see these like heads staring back at you. Mm. <laughs> so they camouflage because it was quite, yeah, it's I mean, it's very, quite dark. very well camouflaged actually. Camouflaged. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm. What other remarkable sounds for you then? Uh, I think one of the things when I first started filming was the sound of a buffy fish owl. Like, I never thought, like, owls scream. I thought they go like, whoo, Yeah. But I this thought. one was like, eee! Oh, that's <laughs> big creepy. That was like a you shocker for me. Yeah, very, very high. high. I was like, eee! I was like, dude, what was that? <laughs> it's like, that's the owl. I'm like, oh my god. Wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's strange though. So you, you have these tiny 
creature like a cicada. Mm-hmm. You've heard of cicadas, yeah. right? Yes. I mean, just unbelievable, right? The the frequency at which mm. they create sound is is mind blowing. At the yeah. same time, you will see larger species, and you expect them to be a lot more um, much louder. to have louder voices yeah. or powerful uh, sounds. <laughs> but then they would like shriek like a a little baby. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So we we have heard like many residents. So we went around asking residents, right? Like mm. if passeries was a sound to you, you know, describe passeries <clears throat> as a sound. A lot of them came back and talk about the birds. Yeah, mm-hmm. a birds chirping outside mm-hmm. their HDB flats. Birds chirping when they go chickens, for walks. Chickens also a lot of chickens. Yeah. Sound. Yeah. Chickens <laughs> rooster crowing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm talking about chickens. I heard passeries chickens fly. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. And then, Yeah, we were like, "What? What do you mean so, they fly?" Yeah, they fly. <laughs> if you ever go to car park, actually the the end of this car park, car park D, car park D, yes, car park D in the mornings, mm-hmm. you hear the chickens, but you can't see them. Oh, because they're all in the trees. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So to audiences out there, if you're thinking like a small little tree, like you know maybe like a a little branch. No, we're talking about the trees in passeries, which are huge. They are up there. So that's Easily what three meter high, perhaps or even higher. Probably higher. Yeah. Probably even yeah, higher. Probably higher. So chickens in passeries, they fly. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, we we we've seen chickens fly across the bridge at yeah. uh, the. Oh, what? Yeah. Across yeah. the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like from like one side. To yeah. They just fly they across. They just fly across. How does that work? Uh. Like, why are chickens <laughs> in passeries? Have special power? <laughs> they can fly. Well, we have seen. Um, <laughs> chickens fly, but then most of the time I have seen chickens fly in the wild, back in other countries because uh, chicken is not the right word though. Uh, they jungle are, fowl. They're technically jungle fowl. Oh. You can call them jungle fowls. Okay. I have seen, but then usually they do those kind of flights when they're spooked or um, uh, or tigers or nearby or mm. something chasing them. It's a rea- <laughs> It's like a, a natural reaction is when. Yeah. So almost like they they get fight that instinct to like yeah. fly, mm. but otherwise uh, I don't think it naturally comes to them to, uh, want to, fly. Know, to kind of fly. <laughs> but here it's amazing. I think they, the, the chickens here have just adapted to yeah, uh, adapted. Uh, the the landscape here. The it's too chew, yeah. so they feel like they want to like just okay. I take inspiration yeah. from the birds. <laughs> the most frequently heard sounds if you're entering the park would be something like. This is basically a Asian coil. Mm. Uh, usually, it's um, usually it's a male. Yeah. Um, oh, we can of, tell from the sound that they make. Yeah. So uh, only the males make the sound. It's though. strange oh. when. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And interesting if uh, if you know how to call and if you respond to them. Yeah. They kind of go high in frequency. For example, for example, I heard the coil call, and if I just whistle the same sound, then he'll go up one notch one higher notch than higher. me. So mm. then I go one notch higher and then he'll go higher than me. It's very interesting. It's like you're play, right. playing games with you. So yeah, so coils, uh, another frequent sound you will hear these days is because we have a reasonably good population of hornbills here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they don't really have the very beautiful call. Um, They're kind of like cackling, man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's yeah I can't do it. Yeah. yeah, But otherwise, another sound you will often hear is... Uh, Okay, I'm getting old. Then uh, what's a the uh, kingfisher? No, no, not what's the name of the black and white bird? The black and white bird, mm-hmm. the magpie. 
the magpie. Mm. Oh. They start calling quite early though. So like even by like 4:35 the minute you enter um I think pretty much sungya yeah beside the minute you enter the the park that's, that's the first sound you'll hear. Stock milking fishes another sound you'll hear very often. They're quite loud. What kind of sound? Like is it melodious or a little bit more like the magpie where it's just you know magpie Actually, sounds angry right? Yeah. Like yeah. even describe <laughs> it. Oh yeah. <laughs> No, it's I wouldn't say melodious. Okay. Uh, mm. It's quite quite aggressive in the sense. Aggressive. Yeah. Can we hear them in your video? Did you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can hear them in the video. Uh, I'm not sure where though, but somewhere in the video you should be hear them. Okay. Yeah. So, listeners, please go check out the video. It's on YouTube, Residents of the Park, and uh, see if you can spot the sound. You can write into them. Say, is it at this? Uh, time, time stamp. stamp? <laughs> is that the Kingfisher that uh, JP just described? Not only are these animals adapting to the beachfront town, they are settling and growing their families here together with the community. How then should people live in coexistence with these wildlife neighbors? As the town gets developed, there is always the issue of encroaching into the homes of these inhabitants, as you are about to hear in the next story of One-Eyed Jack, the Buffy Fish Hour. The famous One-Eyed uh, I think he's called One-Eyed Jack <laughs> um, because he's probably injured in one, one of the eyes. So he's a male. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you know I was made for life? No, it's that's so cool, so right? Sweet, yeah, yeah just, they're made for life. So um, the One-Eyed Buffy has been uh, been here for quite some time. I think, he, I don't know, for donkeys years. Yeah, very, very long very, time. Very, very long time. Recently, they they were living in Kapak Sea uh, Sea for a while. The mm-hmm. Buffy and the partner, because there's a new HDB coming up there, so they kind of clear that space. So they moved towards Kapak uh, B now. B yeah. B now, mm-hmm. yeah. So very close to the Sungai Api. Uh, Api Api area. Uh, yeah. So late in the evening, around seven o'clock, good chance of seeing him inside during low tides in inside the. Mm-hmm. Uh, the river. So residents, if you're taking a walk, look out for it, but please leave him alone. Don't <laughs> like, you know, they have been evicted from one car to another. <laughs> so please do not like, you know, drive them away yeah, from passeries. You know, they are also your residents and your yeah. neighbors. So yeah. You guys capture otters as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah but the owls, this guy here yeah. got it. The whole family <laughs> with the two newborns. Yeah, Wait, we, are we, they oh. the Bishan one or the Marina ones? No, no, no. no. We, <laughs> Pasteries. Pasteries ones. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Pasteries has... Uh, a whole family. A whole family, yeah. I mean, 2000, 2016, 2017, I remember seeing 14 otters. Pasteries now we have 5 plus 2. So, uh, two newborn babies oh, in the okay, last... Okay. I think somewhere last week, uh, they introduced us to the newborns. Right. Because I... Um, yeah, I came across this uh, group of otters. I think they, they are the marina waters. Mm-hmm. It's huge. There's so yeah. many otters. <laughs> like, I think there are easily like maybe close to about 20 otters I came across. Yes. Or, yeah, yeah like, I mean, it's close incredible. Uh, just seeing yeah. them in our city and running around. Free I know, right? Like that. And they were just like fillers. They yeah. go up, they dive in, you know, and then they're frolicking, like very carefree. But that's what is amazing. Uh, <laughs> and that's the whole theme of our second video that we did because mm. it's all about coexistence, right? Mm. Having traveled the world, Singapore is unique. Um, I think there are not many places in the world where you see otters running across uh, the runway <laughs> and uh, the airport has to kind of 
shut down for maybe a few <laughs> minutes, right? Where else yeah. in the world does this happen, right? So we have seen people feeding these animals, right? And because animals, being animals, they will literally just eat anything that anybody will feed it. So it becomes convenient for them, right? So they will always then look for humans. Then again, how would you explain when the wild boars start to attack, right? Because every time when I walk past, uh, I mean, when I do a walk, I actually quite aware of this wild boar because I know that they are nowadays very uh, aggressive and hope that, you know, mm, the authority will do something on it. And of course, stray dogs now are much, much better control already. Well, I mean, uh, do what I think. Because last time when I came here, I always bring along my umbrella and stick. There are too many wild dogs that time. So now actually uh, it's under control. So I'm quite happy with it. Uh, no doubt, I still can see some, you know, wandering around. But uh, I think uh, it's okay. How do you think that balance can be achieved? Any thoughts or insights uh, into that? Yes, it's really tough, right? Well, yeah. it's it's really tough because um, I don't know. So as a, a as a as a non as a non Singaporean, I personally think. Um, They've done a. They've already done a reasonably good job of um, trying to keep the balance going. Mm. Mm. Uh, for how long can we hold on to that kind of balance? Mm. Uh, I don't know, uh, but I think so far, literally, I think five minutes away from uh, every place there is a park, right? Either you have a park, or you have a a waterfront, or you have a reserve, or there's a park uh, at every corner. In a way, that's amazing, mm. you know. So that's the plan, the green but, plan. Yeah. But, yeah. I, but I also think adaptation is um, co-adaptation is both ways because mm. something that I notice. I mean, this is not scientific, so don't quote me for it. But <laughs> something I notice is uh, some of the species that ideally would would be living in a primary or a secondary or like a core forest, mm. um, you see them living in our parks. Mm. So it's a sm- almost like. Um, they've also taken that initiative to adapt to uh, the surroundings. So mm. um, it's so it is possible, right? For it is possible. the natural inhabitants to adapt yeah. to. I mean, not always, though. I mean, inhabitants. some species are highly, highly sensitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may not be able to adapt. Mm-hmm. Some of them can adapt. So I think that's where we need a really fine balance between uh, where, when, how you want to you know develop and stuff like that. Mm. I think the hornbills here are adapting very well. <coughs> Last series. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. do people feed? I mean, do people tend to feed? Um, have you come across? Oh, it's like, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> in like fact, now uh, you don't only see them in the parks, you see them in the HDB area as well. Because like, people are feeding them. I think so. Maybe. So that's kind sure. of our uh, side project. Yeah. That they're working on. No, no, no I mean. To investigate whether. Yeah, not just investigate. I think I'm. I'm. Uh, so I'm. I'm a storyteller. Mm. So uh, I'm always looking for ways uh, and topics and um, you know opportunities to tell stories around the environment or wildlife. So um, one of one of our side projects is to see how we can. Tell a story of why we should not be feeding mm. wild animals mm. in a way that people can buy into it. Mm. Something that I realized over the last several years as a as a storyteller is people don't like when you preach. Mm. Yeah. So oh, I yeah. think as storytellers, uh, when we communicate or you know ask people, 
uh, to do certain things. Um, I think you need to figure out better ways to put that message across. Yep. Thank you, Dan and JP, for joining us in Passeries Park. During the weekend that we were in the park, we witnessed for ourselves why Passeries is truly a century with the amazing nature that exists right in the community's backyard. This is one of the reasons why Podscape was created, that through these community stories, the diverse and rich insights from our local experts can be a way to connect, to educate, and to share knowledge among one another. For those of you who have joined us in the park, thank you for coming by. And don't forget to follow us on our social media pages. Now to sign off, enjoy this soundscape created by our sound artist, Nathaniel Ma, inspired by the mangroves and their relationship with humans.